0: Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? I was once scouted on the street in Mumbai, as many backpackers are, to be in a Bollywood film. When I was asked if I'd like to play a dead body in a plane hijack movie, or a happy mobile phone customer in a TV commercial, or if I'd like to be in an all-singing, all-dancing, Bollywood romantic comedy starring huge stars like Govinda and Fardeen Khan, of course, it had to be that one. So it was off to Film City. I was paid 2,500 rupees, which is about, I don't know, 50 Australian dollars. Wardrobe slicked back my hair, put me in a double-breasted pinstripe suit, and then I stood around in a fake nightclub being cool in the background before a very pivotal scene In this film, in which a jilted bride rather melodramatically revealed she was wearing a dynamite vest and we all overreacted fleeing in terror. It was tremendous fun and the film, called Life Partner, even got cinema release here in Australia. And I and a lot of other Indian Australians went along to enjoy the incomprehensible chaos and yes, fleeting glimpses of a greasy looking backpacker in the background. Apart from myself, of course, there are many more links between Bollywood and Australia. Bollywood's colour and movement seem almost the antithesis of our smaller, perhaps more serious film industry. Anupam Sharma is a filmmaker who's worked extensively between the two industries. His new documentary is Brand Bollywood Down Under.
1: Welcome to you, Anupam. Thank you, Andy, and hello to all your listeners.
0: You know, you never really want to see how the sausage is made behind the scenes, certainly as close up as I saw it. But in my experience, Bollywood really operates on another level of
1: output, doesn't it? It does, and which is similar to the the way India operates, which is what I fondly call an organised chaos. Nothing seems to be working, but they get there at the end. And um, in our documentary, we we look at that as well. You know, the, the clash of filmmaking cultures between Australia and India when the Bollywood films were shooting in Australia. For someone who hasn't had the
0: experience of seeing a Bollywood film, particularly in the cinema setting, I just want you to paint that picture because I know that you were one of the judges on the SBS show Bollywood Star. So you know what a Bollywood star quality is to invoke that audience involvement and passion,
1: don't you? Yes, yes. Um, and, and, you know, my one of my writers and I fondly, you know, basically made up a definition of a Bollywood film, which is a good guy, a bad guy, a thwarted ravishing vamp, an unmarried sister, a widowed mother, um, you know, seven or eight song and dance sequences, a comical villain. And topped by a virginal sari-clad princess under a waterfall, and that, in a nutshell, is, is, is a of the film. That
0: that has to be the formula for Life Partner, because when I saw it, I mean, obviously, I don't speak Hindi, but I found it very, very confusing to follow the storyline.
1: Well, you may have, but uh, yeah, I think Life Partner had Govinda in it, who has shot a lot of films in in Australia and Melbourne, and a lot of these films are inspired plagiarism is such a dirty word never used in India so all of them are inspired from one Hollywood film or the other and um, life partner was was one of them and it's you know when when initially I mean in the film a lot of people say when they would come to Australia the first thing when they applied for visa applications they had designations like a spot boy and an umbrella boy and Lynn Gailey who was at the union at that time she goes what's what's at boy what's an umbrella boy what's a spot boy and and it was fascinating because at the end of the day, filming a film is is same whether you call it an entourage for a Tom Cruise, or you call it an umbrella boy or a spot boy for a Bollywood star like Govinda. So yes, they they're, they're different, but they're they're also pretty similar in terms of star status, in terms of um, the power these stars have, and and the and the power they have at the box office.
0: We're using the term Bollywood as a catch-all for the entirety of the Indian film industry, which is a bit of a misnomer because, in fact, India has many, many film industries. Do, we think, do you think it's a bit misleading to use this term Bollywood?
1: Absolutely, and that's one of the things we target early on in the film, uh, the term Bollywood. Uh, in fact, we release a teaser of that, and that's, you know, racking up thousands of views. Some people hate it, some people like it. And as one of the Oscar-nominated directors said very beautifully, India has 20 states. Each state has its own cinema, whether you call it Tollywood, Collywood, Bollywood. But no other country in the world has that. A cinema of Queensland, a cinema of Montana, you never hear about it. So the, the reach, the depth, and the width of Indian cinema is huge. With the Satyajit Ray's and the alternative movement on one side to the popcorn... Nonsensically entertaining escape of a Bollywood film on the other end, and now you have multiplex cinemas and cinemas which are being made only for Netflix and streaming services. So it's a very rich audience, and so it, uh, you know, and a very rich uh, menu of stuff. Only because it, it you know, it is serving 1.4 billion film passionate audience um, in the world. You know, it, it's catering to one in every six person on the planet. Um, and has been doing so not since, you know, since yesterday, but since 1897. In fact,
0: the connections between the Australian and Indian uh, film industries go back to the 1930s. Tell me about Fearless Nadia.
1: Uh, that was the most, you know, that's the most fascinating link, which can never be, you know, overemphasised. In 1930s, um There was a a blue-eyed blonde from Perth who had a British army father and a Greek mother. And she was in India because, you know, Australia and India were a colony then. And she wanted to be a circus performer. So she learned all these amazing stunts in a circus and she could, you know, jump hoops. And she saw a fortune teller who said, look, you should change your name from Mary Evans to something with N and try film industry. There's some moving images coming. You should try them. So she did that, and she joined the famous studios, Wadia Movito, and she married one of the brothers, and she became, in that time, 1934, a female superstar who could carry her own film to being a super-duper hit, and talk about gender politics, you know, it was a female lead, and she had sequels um, under the name of Handrawali, which basically means a lady with a whip. And she would, and it was all the stunts she performed herself. And we have got amazing glimpses of that in the, in the documentary where, you know, she would be f- interacting with a lion, jumping off trains. But lo and behold, um, all these films were running to packed houses in 1934, all the way up to 1944 45
0: I was really interested to find out about uh, some of the other films that have been set in Australia for the Indian market and also the perceptions of Australia. You know, you have representations of the outback. You have uh, famous Indian film stars dancing and wheeling all over Canberra's Capitol Hill. The, The 90s and 2000s were a fertile time for the Bollywood film industry filming here in Australia, weren't they?
1: I think they were. I think they were the best time from 1999 um, to about, you know, 2009 and 10. Those 10 years were great um, because um, Australia first reacted um, like a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, what's this? We used to Hollywood. What's Bollywood? But the Australian quintessential mateship and welcoming a diverse culture won. And you had people like Jane Smith, who was heading up FTO, or Lynn Gailey from Union, They made trips to India to understand this culture so that they could be catered to in Australia in terms of the way they were applying for filming permits. And Australia became a rage in India because it was discovered by Feroz Khan, who is known to have discovered virgin locations. So when he scripted his film in Australia in 1998, Ghan, literally the floodgates opened. And they were not only filming films at iconic locations, they were shooting songs and dances. And songs and dances don't require a particular location as a continuity. You know, they're just fantasy sequence. So we were filming at the Pinnacles, at Twelve Apostles, at Stanley Chasm and Alice Springs in Great Barrier Reef. And they also then started placing their TV series and their TV commercials. And one of the most interesting outcomes was that Australia said, you know, the two things we complain in Australia are always about are private investment and lack of audience. And suddenly when Bollywood was interacting with Australia, Both these problems just vanished. These guys were not asking for any money. They were spending in our Australian film industry. Um, And the Australian head of departments and specialist crew became so famous that most of these were then flying to India to work in Bollywood if the Bollywood film couldn't come here. So the first science fiction musical called Koi Milge, or Found Someone, had Australian designers designing the alien creatures. The biggest stunt film called Doom had motorcycle riders... uh, Doing the stunts in Bombay from Australia, or one of the iconic hits of India, "Om Shanti Om" with, with Shah Rukh Khan, had amazing fire sequences. They were all done by Angela Shaheen, but, you know, an action director out of Australia. So that kind of two-way exchange was was incredible um, and absolutely uh, kind of you know heartwarming to see. And it was it was it was pure exchange because you know it was a boutique industry, it was a fresh industry, and anyone who wanted could be a part of it. So yeah. As, as one of our guests says, uh, they were the good times, they were the best of times.
0: On our end, filmmaker Anupam Sharma is here. He knows more than a thing or two about the Bollywood connections uh, to our own film he- industry here in Australia. His new documentary is called Brand Bollywood Down Under. I want to ask you about the sort of fairly recent Bollywood film, Jawan, which came out in September in India, to huge acclaim. This is really an important film, Going back to your earlier comment about the kind of fractured nature of the film industry, sometimes along ethnic or language lines in India, this film seems to have bridged the cultural gap between the north and the south of India. Tell me about Jawan and why it does this.
1: Jawan is one of the, you know, again, an iconic film which crosses boundaries. And over the last 10 years, one of the biggest shift in the paradigm has been that uh, some of these major hits, rather than being remade in another language, if they're big on their own, they're dubbed into other languages as well. And that's what Jawan and other films are doing. And it is a quintessential escape. You know, the old style um, shot taking of the actor, um, including, you know, little little lines, like um, the main lead actor, Shah Rukh Khan, uh, has had to go through a lot of personal... Issues when his son was wrongly arrested, and everyone thought that was a lot of harassment for him. And so, and he in the film he makes a there's a dialogue which everyone clapped and whistled, in. and the dialogue basically looks at the cop and he goes, "If you want to talk to the son, you have to deal with the father first. And everyone thought, you know, so it's those you know the, it's those quintessential Hollywood star lines. But these time in Jawan, those lines had a reference to 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 real life as well. So everyone got it. And it is cinema in the old big theater style at its best. Um with with you know with mannerisms. Um with the same way like Hollywood, you know, when you I'll make you an offer you can't refuse, all those classic <laughs> lines. So Jawan is full of that. Um Jawan is full of the charisma and the persona of Shah Rukh Khan. And and you know, and Jawan has got all those things which all of us um look for in the movies and always have looked at, you know, whether it's Clint Eastwood saying, you're talking to me, punk, or, or James Bond saying the name is Bond, James Bond. So Javon was filled with those lines. Um, and, and an action film, I think it did amazingly well in Australia, um, crossing a million box office. And this is what we look about because India has got, Australia has got such a high Indian diaspora. These films are now coming to Australia and for every Indian-Australian like me going to watch this film, I take a couple of non-Indian-Australians with me. So so the tribe is increasing, as they say.
0: jawan had also quite an interesting political message when you think about Modi's India, perhaps the rise of Hindu nationalism. Do you think it stepped into the realm of political commentary in a way that really no other Bollywood film has done before, I think the hesitation to get involved in politics, you know, really is understandable because certainly the Bollywood stars seem to remain apolitical to preserve their careers. This film seems to have done something different.
1: It it has, but I don't think it it went after any government or any name per se, which was the beauty of it. And that's why it was such a huge hit. Um, It was talking about establishment rather than going after any political party or any allegations of Hindu nationalism, which is what Amitabh Bachchan, a famous superstar, um, did in the nineteen seventies. He was called the angry young man because there was so much frustration in the youth of India that Amitabh Bachchan represented that. And in Jawan, he represented the same thing. In fact, he was urging the people of India to take the power in themselves and not to rely on the ministers. So a lot of political uh, you know, uh, houses, politicians. Kind of supported the film because he was basically saying okay you believe someone is corrupt then do something about it but don't sit at home and and expect the politicians to to figure you know figure out things for you um which is uh, you know which is which was a very sugar-coated thing because it was you know it's not artful movement it tried to do that in an entertaining and escapist way um and um and it did it successfully everyone was going and watching it there were no protests about it uh, nowadays, uh, many Bollywood films um, end up being victim of one protest or the other, and um, yeah, he, he he managed to do that, and the director managed to do that, and they did it taking the politicians and the opposition and everyone together, because the moment you say, oh, someone is lying, then you create politics. But if you if you're generally saying it's good to speak the truth, then everyone agrees with you, and that that's what he was doing, you know, um, and and the results prove it in terms of box office.
0: It is hard to imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, given you know, his stature in Hollywood, addressing the camera straight down the barrel and talking about politics and, and voting. It's an incredible film, which seems to have broken the mould a little bit in some ways, although replicating the past too. Anupam Sharma has been my guest. His new documentary, Brand Bollywood Down Under, is in cinemas around the country from today as part of Dendi Cinema's Bollywood Film Festival. So good to talk to you, Anupam. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park.